Uh, take your Bible, please, and turn to Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter 11. This morning the message is on prayer. We uh, started it last week, and I was going to end it this morning, but we'll actually end it tonight. And uh, so it's turned into three separate messages. And, uh, but I pray, pray you'll give good attention to it. Heavenly Father, bless now the message to thy honor and glory. Challenge us, please, to be people of prayer. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Luke 11, and uh, let's see here. We'll start our reading. Uh, let's see. Let's start with verse number 5. Last week we were in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the passage just right prior to it. Of course, a familiar passage where the disciples came uh, to the Lord and asked, said to him, teach us to pray. And so we have the Lord's prayer that he gave, gave to us. And then in verse number five, it continues the subject of prayer. If you'll follow along while I read. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, get this phrase, because he is his friend, he won't get out of bed for his friend. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? This morning, I want you to understand that the customs of that day were that people were on foot. Somebody didn't pick up a cell phone and call ahead and say, hey, Joe, I'm coming through town. Can I stay with you? They didn't do that. They're walking. I think they could cover about 20-some miles a day, depending on the speed of which they walk, but they're walking. So we understand that we have this man that a friend has arrived. Can you understand and agree that this man had no warning that the friend was coming? And it wasn't that he was unprepared for the friend. He actually was unprepared. But understand that he didn't, wasn't aware of the friend's coming. I would like you to see the custom here of the country, but it was so important if you were taking a long journey that you knew somebody on the way. The hotels were not rampant. You couldn't call ahead. You were just going. You were trying to make it to that friend's house. Well, we know that this friend that's spoken of here, that was tra the traveler friend, he was coming. The man where he stopped was unaware of his coming. 
But understand that there's a custom. It's midnight. You understand this man probably was hopeful to get there much earlier. But the distance was probably great. So the point is simply this. When this friend arrived, he was extremely hungry. He was probably thirsty and very tired. It's midnight. He's been walking to get to this man's house. I'm sure he would have stopped at 5 p.m., but he had nowhere to stay, so now he's come. The friend who receives him has nothing for him. He has no food. So he goes to another friend, and he wakes him up in the night. The Bible says at midnight. So he wakes this friend up at night and explains to him the story that I have a friend that's coming. I, 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 can you lend me three loaves? I have a friend that's come. And of course, this man's in bed. It's a one-room house, which had been the ordinary. And then you would have one bed. And so you'd have dad and mom and then kids and kids and whatever number of kids. So the children, they're all in one room, and they are all in one bed. Now, let's just face it. If anybody's got a family, this presents, presents a real problem. Because there might be a two-year-old in this mix that you're waking up that took an hour to get to sleep. So we're a little hard on the guy inside the house, but he's like, are you kidding me? It's midnight. Go home. Come back tomorrow morning. I mean, who knows what's going through his head, but he does know this. I don't want to wake up. He says, my children are in bed with me, which was customary. They're just small places. And it, trouble me not. I... um. I've had the privilege of going to Africa, and I was with two pastors that were hosting, and we had taken a trip that was extremely long, and it was actually a 10-hour trip. And on the way back, we made a stop, and um, not knowing the customs of the country, where we were stopping was a friend of mine. And of course, I called him and told him we were coming. We had chapel. And uh, with, it was a Bible college there along with the church. And so we had chapel. And, and then I, I, but I insisted. I said, don't, don't prepare anything for us because we've got to get on the road in Africa. You, you can't travel at night. I mean, you can, but it's not safe. Uh, the, the potholes, the things that just literally pop up in front of you are quite extraordinary in Africa that you would not see in the nighttime. So it's, 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 it's a level of danger to traveling. And so we stopped in at this Bible college, and, and I, I just insisted to the man in charge, the pastor uh, that I've known for years, and I said, don't, don't prepare anything for us. We just, we just got to get in and get out as fast as we can because we're traveling at night. He said, okay. We get on the bus after chapel and all those, and we're returning. The two African pastors are livid. And I'm like, what's wrong? I mean, they're great, great guys, great men of God. Oh, they're just livid. And they're like, we can't believe that he didn't even offer us a bottle of water or a snack. I mean, they were so upset. And I said, whoa. I said, that's my fault. I called him, and I told him that we were in a hurry and that we'd just be riding right through. So just don't prepare us anything. That brought no peace. <laughs> you know what they said to me? He's been in Africa for X number of years. He knows our tradition. He knows our customs. You don't do that in Africa, and he knows it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my. 
You understand, though, there was some customs going on here. This man had nothing for his friend. Customarily, it would have been he, he should have had something for him. It would have been the custom because travelers are coming through and you don't know when they're coming, but the man had nothing. And so he reaches out to another friend. And then the Bible says this. He won't give him the bread because he's his friend. He's not going to give him the bread because he's a friend. He's going to give him the bread. He's going to give him the three loaves, and, he, and the Bible says he'll give him whatever he asks because he just wants him out of his house as fast as he possibly can. Possibly can. He does not want to continue to be annoyed by this man. And he knows, he is a friend of him, is right, that's come. He knows this guy's not leaving till he gets something to take back to his friend. And so he gives him, not because he's a friend of his, but the Bible calls it importunity. Importunity is something that is persistence to the point of annoying. That's why he got the bread. Was he, was he knew that this man was going to be persistent. If I would have you, if, would you look please at verse number 9. In verse number 8, we just, I just talked about his importunity. Verse number 9. Now, if you notice, my Bible has the red letters of Jesus speaking, right? So the Lord is teaching a lesson here. And so the Lord is speaking in verse 9. And what just happened was the guy gave, not because of a friend, but because this guy's going to annoy me, so I'll give him food. Verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 8. And I say unto you, though he, I'm sorry, verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened. We come and we see the friend, and then we change totally, and this is what God is saying. Can I tell you there is, there is a complete change that just happened between verse 8 and verse 9. Verse 8 is describing men, a friend. Verse 9 is describing God. Jesus Christ is talking. And he says, Ask, and ye shall receive. It's an absolute. You just ask. Just pray. God says you ask. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened up unto you. It's not maybe, it's shall. We see the friend who doesn't want to be annoyed. And sometimes over the course of my life, I've heard a lot of preaching. And I've heard the preaching of, you just keep pounding on God's door. I say, sing the song, just pray. And I agree with that. Just keep asking. I prayed for many, many years for our, our precious son who was, who was injured severely to be healed. And, and, I, and I kept asking. But I want you to understand something. Like God says here, you, you just ask and it'll be given to you. It'll be given to you. Our God is not like us. He's your loving Father who loves you. And I believe in prayer and people that stay, the Bible certainly tells us to sustain in prayer. 
But I also want you to understand that God says that he'll answer your prayer. You don't have to annoy him. Can I tell you something? You can't annoy him. He loves it when you come to him. So when I say there's a persistence in prayer that I believe in, but it's a totally different scenario, it's not a persistence to be annoying. It's a persistence or importunity to get what I need. It is a persistence that I give to God, knowing that God loves me, knowing that God wants to answer my prayer. And God is not annoyed by Tim McCurdy coming to him in prayer. You know what he likes about it? He loves the prayers of his people. You know, sometimes maybe perhaps God brings something into your life that causes you to come to him regularly because you don't spend much time with him now. We seemingly come to him more often when we have a problem, don't we? And if we sustain the problem, we stay continuing in prayer. It is not because God is not going to answer your prayer, but God loves the prayers of his people. I didn't, because of time, I didn't go in the introduction, but I, just many, many verses where we find that Jesus Christ prayed over and over again. Jesus, the Son of God, prayed, and he prayed with power. You know what he prayed? He asked the Father for things. Not my will, but as thou wilt. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus Christ prayed prayers to the Father because it was his Father. When I go to the neighbor next door, I don't care what kind of a friend is, but at midnight, I'm going to annoy him to get something from him at midnight or, you know, unless he's watching the news or something. But you understand, I'm, I'm going to annoy him. But when I come to God, I'm not annoying God. God says what? Come boldly to the throne of grace that she might find help in time of need. It is not a door that has not opened to us at any time. We know the stories of the Old Testament and Elijah, and he's mocking those worshipers of Baal and the priest of Baal, and they're, they're screaming and loud, and they're cutting themselves. And, and what's he say? Oh, maybe he's asleep. Your God's not asleep. Your God's awake at midnight. And if your heart is breaking, you can come to him at midnight and ask. You can talk to him. Jesus talked to God, and we see he did it often, and he would get alone to pray. And you say, well, that was his father. He's my heavenly father, too. The prayer that we looked at last week, how does that start? Our Father, which art in heaven. It is your Father, and your Father wants to hear from you. My sons call me with some regularity, and I will tell you, it's a good day when they call me because I enjoy hearing from my sons. When you reach out to God in prayer and you ask him, it is not as if you're an annoyance to him as was the friend. This is a God that waits to hear from you because you are his child. God is dead opposite to the annoyed friend. Remember that. He's dead opposite. He's not upset with you. He wants you to come to him. I just was thinking about some things in this passage that were opposites. In verse 7, it says... Trouble me not. Then the next phrase says, the door is now shut. 
Then we see my children uh, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I was thinking, trouble me not. God's never going to be troubled with you. Come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. He's not going to be troubled. The man says, the door is now shut. Jesus says, what? I am the door by me. If any man enter, he shall be saved. The man says, my children are with me in bed. God never slumbers. He says, I cannot rise and give thee bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He's also the resurrection and the life. He is always there to hear and to answer. Ask and it shall be given. Pastor, why is God slow to answer? Hear the answer to the question really clearly. God is not slow to answer. He answers immediately. You say, well, sometimes I don't get my prayers answered immediately. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given you. I think he hears you immediately, and I think he answers immediately. Sometimes, I will tell you, just last week, I was praying about something, and it miraculously happened within hours. But that's not the normal. Pray for years for my son. And God seemingly didn't answer my prayers as I was praying. Now I look back and I understand that God was always answering my prayer. I never, he was never not answering. I would tell you, God is answering your prayer. He's different than us. One day is as what to God? A thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. He is eternal. What is he called? I am. What, what, I am. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He called himself, of course, it's just nails on the chalkboard for the Pharisees, but he called himself I am. I love all those verses that says I am this and I am the bread and I'm the living water. I love it. They always start with I am because you know it's just like the Pharisees is just driving him crazy for him to use those words of himself as God used it of God himself to Moses. Remember what he said to Moses? When he go to Pharaoh, tell him, I am as sent me. I am. And so when we think of Jesus Christ and you say, well, it seems as if, Pastor, he's not hearing my prayers and answering me. Yes, he is. He is the I am. He's not slow in answering prayers. Often we probably pray the most for is healing for sick people, for injured people, for brokenhearted people. We at Wednesday night prayer meeting and we always ask for requests and we always have people that have, uh, generally every week there's something new that's come on the horizon that's a relative of one of the family or a friend of one of the church family that we pray for, that God would heal them. Can I remind you of something? God created man. 
And it's just an amazing, amazing, miraculous thing that you can break your arm. And guess what? It heals. Well, it doesn't heal in five minutes, does it? I broke my arm a few years ago. And it took, it took uh, eight weeks to get back to work. Ladies measure everything by when somebody had a baby and timeline. Men measure things by that's when I was off work for eight weeks, right? So that's what we're thinking about work and they're thinking about children and, and relatives and all those things resonates with them. But you understand for guys, it's, I was off eight weeks with a broken arm. Can you imagine, I broke this bone right completely through. Amen to ouch. Understand though, eight weeks later, I'm back to work. I mean, can you imagine that? Eight weeks later, that bone has healed and I'm back to work. I will tell you, God made the body of mankind and gave us something that is just literally miraculous. And so God, 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 you know, when did it start healing? As soon as the doctor said it, it started healing. And I'm back to work. I'm amazing. I mean, the bone is completely snapped through. God has already brought so much into our lives, but sometimes... We're just not patient enough. You can imagine if I say, well, I'm going back to work in two weeks. Well, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. I, they're not going to let me back. But it's not going to be healed. But I want you to understand, it's an amazing thing. Uh, as you know, my wife went through cancer this year. And it's just an amazing, amazing thing to see how, you know, she's just back to normal. And, and uh, well, you ladies know her. She can put in a pretty good day's work. But you, what is it? It's just amazing. The treatments and praise the Lord for doctors and all those things. But it just took time. And the Lord restored her. It's amazing how the body will heal. And we, we just think, God, why is not everything happening immediately? God has already put in place many, many things for us in life that will happen But sometimes you have to understand that God may just be setting us back for a span of time. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we saw in a Bible study on Wednesday night, our Lord learned obedience through suffering. Hebrews 5.8. The Lord, the Bible says, learned obedience through suffering. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Are we better than the Lord Jesus Christ? If our Lord is going through suffering... And we think, well, we just need everything in t- instantly. Are we better than he? Why did Jesus come to earth? What was the will? What was the purpose? What was he coming to do? He was coming to die on a cross. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to die on a cross for our sins. And then, three days later, rose from the dead the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you ever think that Jesus Christ, he did not immediately do what he came to do? 
He had to go through a birth process. The son of God submitted himself in humility to be born of woman. Grows up as a toddler who can't walk. This is the king of kings and lord of lords. And is a toddler who's learning to walk, learning to talk, learning things as he grows up, studying the scriptures, and he's growing in faith all the way to the cross. The God-man comes to, the Bible calls it, came to, and being made perfect, total, without sin, all God, all man, gets to the cross. It was a 33-year trek. He didn't, wasn't born of a virgin and then went to the cross the next day. Why did he come? He came for that. He came to save us. He came to die on the cross for our sins. But it didn't happen overnight. He had to go through this whole process. Was, was God answering the prayer of mankind? We'd all say, absolutely, Pastor. But it didn't happen five minutes after he got here. It didn't happen in his first year. It didn't happen in his second year. This is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who is putting up with mankind and all the, all the suffering of mankind and the suffering that he endured to go to the cross for us. But it was a 33-year span that he was going through the process of what? Fulfilling the perfect will of God was 33 years. Understand something. You are not going to always, God is answering your prayers. Always is from the moment you come to him. But you know, sometimes, folks, we're not ready for the answer. And God is going to have to take a period of time to get us ready for the answer. It may not be that we have the answer right away. And, and we, we pray for people. And, and again, this is not about an individual. This is a blanket statement. But you understand sometimes that people are injured or sick or things happen to them what is it God's trying to work in their life and he's using an illness or a sickness to bring that person back to himself now I, you bring their name in prayer and I of course we don't ever know who that is that God's working with but God's going to do things in your life that are going to set you back what to move you forward in his will you're not going to get the will of God just uh, I, I look at my life and I, I remember the decisions I made at Camp Kobiak. I started going there when I was nine years old and I went there every year and I loved Camp Kobiak, come believe except. And so I loved the camp, but you know I made decisions at camp and I'm realizing the fruition of some of those decisions have just come to me in my older years. I remember when I was a little boy at camp, I told God I would do whatever he called me to do. When you asked me to come be the interim pastor, I was thinking, whoa, this is a little late in life. But it was three or four months. So I'm thinking, wow. And, and, but what happened? God called me to be the pastor here. And if, if anybody stand amazed, it's me. But I'm looking back over the course of my life, step by step, God has just opened doors in my life. My life has been so rich and full. See, pastor, is it without heartache? Of course not. And neither will yours be. But God is moving us to the place he wants us in his will. I'm in my first pastorate, visitors. I started at age 60 in my first pastorate. What do you think of that? 
what is God working in your life? And we don't know the time frame, and we don't know always what's God doing. But, but don't think when I was a little boy and I said, God, I'd be willing to do whatever you want me to do. And over the course of time, I was just, I won't go through the list, but I was just listening to the, the door, listing the doors that God has opened to me over the course of my life. It's just been amazing what God has allowed just a regular guy in every way to do in ministry and then to be pastor of this wonderful church. It's, it's just, it's, it's unfathomable still to me this day. But understand, that's what God does. God doesn't always just instantly install us into what we are praying for. It's going to come sometimes if we wait and he reveals what he has for us. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is our example. In some sense, I'll finish the message tonight. But can I challenge you this morning? Don't despair, despair in prayer. We look at our country right now, and we look at COVID, and, and everybody gets all wound up about the Chinese, and boy, they sent this all over the world. And, 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 and I get that. I, I've seen that story, and I, I, I understand being wound up about it. Can I tell you something? United States of America has been boarding children for 30 years. We're about 61 million deep in the stack of children that we've aborted. Whatever comes our way, can we understand and admit that God Almighty has every right to send us the COVID into our nation? And I wish our nation would open their eyes and, and, and stop pointing the fingers and start realizing it's me, O oh Lord, that stands in the need of prayer as a nation. We were the people of God we trust, and we're no longer that people. And we pray, God, send revival to our country. Now we see the COVID that comes. Anybody seeing any signs of pray? No. We're screaming at China. We're screaming at the government. All these things that are happening. Does anybody think, has any billboards of let's pray? No. Why? Because we're no longer the God in God we trust, we are a people of in the government. We look for our answers. Christians don't fall into that trap. If anybody deserves the punishment of God, it is United States of America for where we slid. Let's don't whine. Let's preach the gospel. Let's get the truth of God out there. If my people which are called by my name, will what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Then will I hear from heaven. Forgive their sins and heal their land. We want a healing in the land. Let's get on our knees and pray. Let's be the people we should be. Let's give the gospel like we should be giving it. Let's get God's people in tune with God, and then maybe we can, we can have healing. This thing, we say, boy, it just keeps going and going and going. That's because we're not learning anything. Let's get back to God, and let's get right with God, and let's see what God will do. But right now we're in a process, and I, I don't know if, if, if this is God's punishment, but I do know one thing for Detcher. God is in control of everything. You look at the children of Israel. There was a lot of death and destruction. Why? Because of disobedience in God, from God. God deals with nations. And we're not so arrogant and so wonderful of as a nation that we think we're going to get away with what we're getting away with, we think we've gotten away with over these past 50 years. Let's give our hearts to God. Let's be people of prayer. 
You're not ringing God out. You're not troubling God. You may trouble your neighbor, and you may be persistent to get at something you want to borrow from him, but not God. You ask, and the moment you ask, what? He heard your prayer, and he is answering your prayer because he said he would. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. We're going to have a short invitation. In a moment, we'll stand together. The most important decision of your life and the reason you're here this morning is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. In other words, if you were to have died on 9-11, you'd say, Pastor, I have no idea where I would have gone. I, don't, I have no idea if I would have gone to heaven. I, would hope, I hope that I would have gone to heaven, but I don't know. Had you died in 9-11 or you went to work as a regular day and if that was to happen to you, where would you be right now? Would you be in heaven? Or would you be eternally separated from God in a place called hell, paying for your own sins that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for? I would offer you this morning the free gift of salvation provided by the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for your sins, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That power, that same power can forgive your sins and it can save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father or heaven but by me. Trust him today. Ask him to be your savior. He will hear your prayer immediately and he will save your soul on the spot just by asking. Christians this morning, don't despair of asking. God hears you, and I will tell you, and I'll go in further detail tonight, but God wants to hear your prayers. He wants you to come to him. You're not annoying him. He loves the prayers of his people, and he loves his children to come to him. And he's not going to give you a stone instead of a meal. He's going to give you eternal life. If you trust him this morning, Christians, he's going to bring the comfort and joy into your life as his will steps by. Day by day. Let's all stand together, please. We'll have an invitation song. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know our Lord as your Savior, you never trusted Jesus Christ. He came to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. Don't bypass the opportunity this morning. We literally don't know what a day might bring forth. Come quickly.